Good morning, everybody. Hello, this is Dr. T. Tavo D'Arcy, apostolic leader, pioneering founder, with the Lord's help, definitely every day, but head of the DFW Leader Ministry Online Fellowship for males and females, all different races, and we speak our word to the You Must Be Born Again community, those who believe inviting Jesus into their heart as Savior, and who believe the Bible and their leaders. However, anyone else who re- come, you know, stumbles across this podcast, you're always welcome and invited and fully respected. But please know that I submit all the words, all the wise counsel, all the advice only to the Christians. Yet, we want everyone to be able to hear and be a noble Berean, B-Y-O-B. Bring your own Bible out online, on land, and check it out to see if it's really so. That's the apostolic role model for Chief Apostle Paul, who commended the Roman Berean, the, excuse me, the noble Bereans, he called them noble, honorable, for checking out his doctrine, and guess what? They were Jews. So that is amazing that we have the freedom, I call it, I name it, working out your own salvation to make sure you're not duped, to see if what they really are saying out loud is really so in the Bible. You don't have to be hyper. You don't, you know, you want to avoid being foolish or just stressed, fearful, not angst prone. Just think if it hits my spirit, something out of the blue about women in leadership or men or racism or apostolic ministry control, you want to check it out, which I have. So the criteria basically, does it meet James 3.17 fruit under pressure in James 3.17 form? The next thing is it back under the law, usually the law legalism. That means taking good Bible commands like Paul's and saying, don't do this, avoid this, and yet making it like everyone's watching everybody else to pinpoint their sin like an, it's a Pharisee accuser. You need to assess who's doing right, what's doing wrong. You don't want to fellowship too closely with the wrong kind of people. They have a strong influence, could bring you down. On the other hand, you don't want to be a super sensitive, hyper perfectionist, or a religious control freak. You want to be balanced and temperate in James 3.17. My criteria for teaching is that when you come across a certain kind of ministry in this age, the style with TV affected, and then fast-paced, busy, 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 not time for introspection, maybe lost their first love, life, lampstand, lifestyle, forgot to take off, R&R, get away and hear from God. It's so important. Or maybe they got too self-important to do that. Then you can say, well, you know, I want to discern and assess by fruits, and we need to do that now. Are they James 3.17 with their family, with you, with the fellowship? Are you that way with your family, spouse, friends and network and at church or at business. James 3.17 fruit says, and this is a double point that I use this teaching for. If you are hearing and perceiving and discerning the way of the Lord, the inward witness of the Holy Spirit, getting counsel, you can use it to see if it really is God and test it. On the other hand, you can also say when you look at somebody and you think, oh, look, they look like the stereotype my mama warned me against. They look proud. They look different color skin. Earth suit is different. They're from another style, a different kind of denomination, a different kind of Far East, the Middle East. Well, then this is not the age has grown. We're now global everywhere. Everywhere is global. So start your global ministry with some new perception because they'll come to you now. You don't have to go out this much. So what you're doing is you you look at somebody coming down the road, advancing towards you. Somebody who looks like you resembles a stereotype, a prayer warrior, your mama, somebody that looks like mama, somebody of another skin color your daddy was always talking bad about. So you have that in your hard drive because you were there by osmosis, picking it up in the spirit realm, emotional realm, just the perceptions of your environment. That's common. So when this stereotype, you're going down the road and somebody walks up, stands there and this old historic stereotype rises up against men who look like that, the powerful, proud preacher, whatever it is, 
the gossip and the backbiter, intercessor, whatever you felt, you thought you knew about everybody, not by accusing, but by assessing their fruit over time. Maybe people can get away with being really James 3.17, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality for a little bit. But when pressure comes in a few months, then you're going to see how they act. Now, behavior is a huge criteria. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, meekness, temperance, self-control. The other part is, there is such a thing as false teaching. And the enemy comes in like a roaring lion, seeing, seeking who may, he may, come, may devour. He could come in meekness, oh yeah, everybody's so sweet, I'm just so loving, and be a false person. So there is that other, the other error of knowing God really powerfully and stronger now, so that God can give you a little dis, a feeling that you're not really peaceful when you meet that person, or those people, or you fellowship at that church. You will, you need to know by the inward witness, which is a scriptural point. Be led by the Spirit, the inward witness, but don't be spooky or fearful. Be bold and courageous. Put on God's whole armor. Go toward the evil day. Paul in Ephesians, then act like Jesus, ask for all of God's seven spirits, like the prophecy of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, back in Isaiah 11, 2 and 3. That means you want more of God's seven spirits of Holy Spirit facets and functions, more of His Holy Spirit, more of the Spirit of the Lord, more of His wisdom, His counsel, His might, His power, His fear of the Lord, His understanding, just like Jesus. And when Jesus was so filled with all of that, like the book of Acts without tongue, without tongue talking, then the church will not need Levitical patriarchism or control or fear-based preaching or condemnation. Instead, they'll, they'll have the glory of the Lord on them. And people will take note if they're not frustrated with themselves or other things or teaching poor me, pitiful leadership doctrine or the saints in the rows and the seats and the stands and on stage are not fault-finding. Fruit of the Spirit is number one. Relationship in ministry is number one. Examining, everyone examining their soul every so often, assessing your heart, assessing your conscience, assessing, not accusing, not self-judging, assessing the environment, assessing your friends, assessing your way of interacting that causes you to explode, let's say, and then work on it. Let God work on it. We want to have fun. I mean, we've been through a lot. All these people have been through so much stuff, everybody, and so much accusation. You hear it all the days on the media, online, your daddy, your mammy, you know, mommy and your daddy and your nanny, all these people. So at school, the bullying, the horrible things, so don't go there. Let us focus now briefly on getting rid of all this stuff that's unclean, that's not right, that's not relationship friendly, that's not relationship ready. Let's invite the Lord to show us, are we really FDR final day ready in case he comes soon, which he really might. And then do the people we know, are we a good ambassador and emissary to share that news to make sure that they are not, have the holy tender-hearted fear of the Lord, that they're not going to go to the eternal fire forever. And make sure that you are giving it in the right demeanor of James 3.17 respect. Don't say a word unless God opens that door. And then, with everyone FDR as much as you can be held responsible for, you want to make sure now that you go to the Lord and fellowship around and just have a great day and minister. Do what the Lord says. Because we shouldn't be always be navel-grazing. We shouldn't always be overly introspective. But there are days when God uses a revival move or a repentance move or a renewal move that says it's time to get ourselves my, the church first. You must be born again Bible believers' hearts and ministry lives first. Because Bible teaches us in the Old Testament and the New, Second Timothy, excuse me, the Old and the New, Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people, God's people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves. That's a relationship, private thing, with God and with family, with yourself. If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves. 
Take time to do that so God doesn't have to do it for you. All right. If they humble themselves and seek my face privately, personally, they seek only the Lord, not more joy, not more stuff, not more ministry, not more power, but the Lord himself. It says, if they seek me, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You're not responsible for my wicked, you know, my wicked ways, anyone else's. I'm not responsible for yours. You're not responsible to keep track of your neighbor and see if they're going to church or not. It is about you and the Lord. Everyone for themselves, because that's how it's going to be. One by one, we are born. One by one, we live. One by one, we choose to accept Jesus or not. One by one, we determine to do God's will or not. One by one, we lay down and die. And one by one, we'll stand before the throne of God in judgment. Better to get ready now, be FDR. So we want everyone to think that and then just make it plain. Then after that, let's all have fun. Let's let ministry be happy. Let's be like Jesus. I submit for the Christians, the must-be-born-again Christians, that we all go back to be noble Bereans again, get out our Bibles, read Jesus when he was alive in ministry with family, with Mary, all the kinds of people, and he was in the pre-Christian environment of great confusion, pain, suffering, oppression, Roman tyranny, legalistic, Phariseeism, all the things, money grabbing, all these things, using people, slavery, in a very multicultural area, really alive, a hotbed, every single day. So Jesus would go off to the garden and self-introspect and get with Father and get the download for the day, the week, the month, or whatever. And that's how we do it. So then we go about what the Lord says and we read to see how he does it. We get new food and new perspective on all the great teaching we already know in ministry. And we look at Jesus when he was alive in ministry with his mom, personally, privately, and then you know, with God the Father as well as the powers that be. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. So we read the Gospels. And look at every relationship mentioned and see how Jesus acted and reacted. And we do the same. And then it'll happen. Revival happens. Also, a PS, a comma. It's so important that we now bring out and dust out the old forgotten Ephesians 4, common unity. Everyone walkness and meekness and lowliness. Everyone, including leaders and lay. Common doctrine without law, common doctrine, the criteria for being a Christian is once you meet the Lord, you're really a Christian if you believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, one faith, the Christian faith, one baptism, that means baptized in water, when God, the, who's the Father, the Creator Father, the Father, the eclectic Dad of Jesus Christ who formed the world, you know that He was in that amazing type B designer, creator, science, measuring, preparing, pondering, evaluating, perceiving and discerning stage prior to Genesis 1. When it was time after the, not a depressed Malachi, but the creative genius, artist, life giver, when that time of creating and prior to forming it was there, it was on the drawing board. One day he knew it was time, one season, and then he rose up in type A, assertive, and he spoke, let there be light, and things happened because he spoke. He's that mysterious, that big. So we want to help people meet the big Father. We want to help people get to know him through Jesus Christ. We want to know that the Father Creator is not an accuser, a berater, a demeanor of little children or teenagers or grown-ups or people who've fallen into sin repeatedly or women. He never saw Jezebel's. You know, that was another criteria when you look at Jesus, how he acted, and you see some of the teaching today that promotes enthrones Jezebel watching and witch watching and charismatics, and then you have other things in other groups, overly mammon-centric, always about, you know, income. Then we want to have that balance of everyone getting on a new page, maybe, with the same Jesus, same Lord, same historical good basic kernel teaching with the fear of the Lord about accepting Jesus, living the life, acting the part, not acting, but being the part. 
Yet we want to have the revelation of whatever God is trying to say, choosing to say for the children. When I looked at scriptures on doctrine, one of them, I mean, I didn't even look for them. God just threw them out on, online one day and I knew they were it and I snapped it up. I thought, wow. One of them I'd heard but never seen in writing, but I wrote it out and it says, Those who erred in spirit shall under, come to understanding. Those who murmured shall know doctrine. Those who murmured shall be taught doctrine. So the doctrine is key if there's murmuring and complaining where you are, where you work, in your own heart, in the fellowship. The other one is, I believe it's Isaiah 28 or 29, it says in verse 8 about the children, when do you start to teach doctrine? It says as soon as they're weaned from the breast. So the principles of yes, let your yes be yes, obeying mom, having fun, but making it, you know, some teaching of Jesus and the doctrine of joyful, happy, you know, all things. But that's why important when moms and dads are so tired. When moms and dads are so tired or they just are not interested, they don't want to go to church now. They really do not want to go because of whatever, the style of the day, the culture, what they used to have to sit through. So now we have to say, well, it's important, even if they don't go, that the children go. I would submit to you, and I would do this once I have more people, if I ever get a chance to do this. If this is God, I really thought of having Sunday school only. Churches can have it not at their building. They can have Sunday school, but then if they had Sunday school only, the option that may make people not come to church, the other people. So you want to have a, a special mission out in your area, your region, several of them maybe, a chain of them, just Sunday school. It could be any time of day or of the week or just Sunday, and then moms and dads get to drop them off for two and a half or two hours, whatever your limit is, three hours, whatever you can stand you feel from God. And they'll say, oh good, free babysitting. And they'll take off and go out shopping or to the coffee shop by themselves. And then you'll have the children, and you can be following the Lord's admonition to train the children up in the way they should go. And even though they may not get any more at home, they may have all exposure to violence and videos and obscene things. You know, God is bigger. His Word is powerful. My Bible says that the Bible is His Word, the Word of God, the Bible. His Word is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to go in between the soul and the spirit like the bones and the marrow and touch somebody reach somebody speak to somebody so you're sowing seed that's the principle you're sowing seed broadcasting the seed faithfully as to please God and help people and then later God takes that seed somebody else waters it or when they're least when they grow up one day they'll have a dream and they'll remember it and God will work through that or TV will remind them so there are so many reasons to just right now if the group that is the parents are too tired or they just don't want to go they don't want to go then make the option available and other people may just want to bring their children and the children will be able to come so that's the thing a lot of children are just if you look and I'm not trying to be heavy but if you look at the suicide rate and then the number of people not going to church it's sort of odd how bad it correlates another thing if you have no hope if you don't train your child about heaven and about Jesus while we're here, all the answers to prayer, the miracles, the happy things, that world system of oppression, depression comes in more, plus at school, plus the common negative faith, the atmosphere of TV, the wanton behavior, the depression of sin, because it is so bad. Just reading the headlights can, headlights, the headlines can make you um, ill, almost ill. I found myself so disturbed by so much horrible details that i mean just the headlines i don't read gra- graphic details but the when you scan an online newspaper the number of hellish dismemberments let's say horrible things killing children parents killing children all the time to get back at the other parent spite just terrible headlines so that makes me have my limit i i I sometimes get sucked into it because it's so curious it's so horrible but i try to be careful i listen to my spirit because you know what we're talking today right now 
This is a soul, a human soul issue. Yes, being saved, being led by the Spirit is spiritual. But then you have to watch out because the soul ram of mind, will, and emotions, even in a ministry atmosphere of the people, of God's leaders, the, the atmosphere of the soul of the home, if it's cruel or clean, if it's negative, self-centric, if it's other-centric, if it feels old and pitiful and tired or youthful, it will come out and affect people invisibly. That's why Ephesians 4 is a huge thing today, because every church takes ownership, every believer, every member, every non-member, but who believes in Jesus takes ownership for their share. And the Bible verse I didn't share about repentance, it says, let judgment, let self-judgment, not self not self accusation but self-assessment let let self-introspection and self-judgment come to each house of God be it the church house the fellowship house the ministry house or the lay person's family house and the minister's family house so we don't we want to talk on that because it needs to get out there one one person at a time we lead to the kingdom one person may have a able to lead 50,000. One may be able to lead one. One is able to lead 25 through their lifetime or more, 50. However, we never compare numbers. It's not about others. It's about us. Who are we sent to right now? What is the relationship? Are we bold enough or are we accusers? Are we condemners, prejudice, bias? We'll reap that. It happens when there is accusation you reap accusation back. When there's disrespect in ministry, racism, politics, you reap back accusation as well. When when the devil, Lucifer, Beelzebub was up in heaven and he mutinied against God, he disrespected that relationship. He created gossip and enmity and division up in heaven. He tried and ship issues. He disrespected God, so he got rejected and down. Well, he was furious. He still is. So he does his best to try to murder God's plan, and his God's plan is a family. And his plan is to have happy, successful individuals that are maybe not normal, but certainly natural and capable in every family and every race, every generation. However, unless we know that when Jesus Christ came, why he came, his purpose is We'll never be able to communicate like that, and the church will go south, which it has. And then it will not be Ephesians 4, community effective to transform it. It'll still be, as what happens when the unity and the submission, everything's common doctrine understood for all the offices. In Ephesians 4, it says it transforms Christian body, the ministry body, the lay body, the people of God in the area, and it takes away... There won't be as many winds of doctrine, people misled. There won't be many as many con artists and dishonest people. There won't be as many childlike, goofy people. All right. Then, when that stuff's gone, that dross, it's a good representation of Jesus, of God, of the kingdom. And then people around start to notice, oh yeah, they're calm, they're other-centric, they're collected, their children behave, they're respectful, but they love me. They, they're not dishonest, they're not disrespectful or rude, they're not a bigot even though I don't live their identity or their lifestyle. They respect me because I'm made by God. And I can have confidence that they won't hurt me and I'll trust them and want to go and maybe check out their God. So we have the need for our homework. We have a need for God to us to know about the Father. He's not an accuser. And we have to know that we are commissioned to go forward. But only why and when God leads us. And then we're to check out our doctrine to see if we're pleasing God or pleasing humans. That's a big part of it. Also, we need not be moved. We should not be moved by television all the time without checking it out and reading for ourselves. And then what are we being, what are we swallowing? Whether it's secular TV, humanistic TV, or Christian TV. 
And so everyone is now BYOB, bring your own Bible, no Berean, pleasing only one, the audience of one, like I try. That's my goal. I tell people, I, and I wanted to say this, I said it the other day, but I thought, you know, I really, I put it, when I started Twittering and commenting, I was by myself primarily, coming off just getting out in Texas, feeling very isolated, and I was with God and knew Him greatly. We laugh a lot together. He's fun. So I started getting these wild comments, and I thought, you know, I'm putting them out not to hurt anybody, but I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to say, Lord, whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. Because I'm not looking to grow numbers. I'm looking to please you, because that's all that matters when I die. So I started getting these, some of them are good, some are not, some are corny, some are not, some are zingers, and they're not, and it goes with podcasts and everything else I do. Because, I, and I did all the blogs, as unto the Lord. And I thought, I might as well write it out. You know, somebody somewhere might find it. So I didn't advertise. And I got thousands upon thousands of people who have at least looked at it. So you can be your own web evangelist. Go for it. you got your computer. You, you know, but the idea is we have to be led by the Spirit no matter what that is every single day. And it's a relationship issue. My relationship with the Lord in the fear of the Lord. Does he really want me to do all this or not? Will my heart be right when I do it? Am I doing it to achieve? But the picture was with all the Instagram and, you know, you look at Instagram and, man, I'm not, I'm just doing it because it's curious. But you see people with 365,000 likes on theirs and 85,000, 25,000. I mean, man, what are they, what's, what is the secret with that? But on the other hand, I'm not stressed. I'm not even trying to be FOMO, fear of missing out keeping up with the Joneses, a.k.a. jealous and envy, that doesn't bother me. I'm curious. It's just a big factor. It's amazing that people are wasting their time like that. And they get, somehow they make money. I'm not, anyway, but it's just a curiosity. So what I did was I thought, well, you know, some people might feel bad they don't have a lot of followers and fan club, even Christian ministers. So what I thought of, we already got the crowd of witnesses, Hey, spread that word out there to the teenagers. Spread that word to the grown-ups that are missing it, feeling FOMO, fear of missing out. Oh, I don't feel, I feel like a loser. I only got 20 people following me. I have about that. <laughs> you know what? Because I want God follow. I want to follow God. And if he leads people to follow me, I really don't care. I just want to please God. And later I'll use it for a book or something. I don't know. But I feel joyful. And I want to know there are so many perspectives that we can share as leaders. One of them is, there is a great crowd of witnesses. You already got innumerable millions and billions of followers watching you every day, rooting you on. And then the other one is FDR, final day ready. Are you really, really final day ready? I had a, like, out of the, the reason I'm saying this is because all these many years I've done things that would tell people about being saved, but... In the last eight weeks, I got this sudden, out of the blue, tell people. It was firm. It was like sober. Tell people not to put off making Jesus their Lord and Savior now and make sure all their friends and relatives that they feel led to talk to are ready because I may come at any moment. It was like that. The other one I got that was also surprising, and these are always calm. The fruit is peace. No fear. But sober. The other one, I got, I was just folding laundry or a towel, and all of a sudden I heard the Lord say, tell them I'm a lot browner than they think I am. And I, th I laughed. I thought, that makes sense. Because I think of all the dark-skinned people. Not everybody's white. I think the majority is dark-skinned or tan or brown or black. And I would think, why would anyone think that Jesus Christ was a blonde, blue-eyed Hollywood type when he's from the Middle East anyway, and if you look at Middle Easterns, East in Middle people's persons from the Middle East, they have black hair, brown hair, dark brown hair, and olive skin, brown eyes. So why wouldn't Jesus? Why would Jesus portray himself as anything but his himself authentically, so that he could be the bridge between the white and the black and the brown? Because he's got the skin color of the nations. And there's so many people from Africa, Asia, that are not white. I think 
if we're just in a community that really believes the Bible, we won't have so much tr struggle with that. And the struggle is that Ephesians 2.14 comes to mind. When you accept Jesus, this is for community, He is our peace. That's Jesus. He's broken down every wall of partition that makes us both one. Now that's a relationship issue about ministry. Back then this was written primarily to the Jews not getting along with the Gentiles and the Gentiles not getting along back in the Christian sense. So how could they get over their bitter, angry resentment of each other, historical feuds? Your daddy did that to mine. Your daddy owned my people and they were slave owners. Those people owed my mother money and they didn't. They raped my, you know, all this stuff, cultural as well as family feuds. And so everybody today can find somebody that is angry with them or vice versa. So this is our verse. It says, He, Jesus, not us, He is our peace, who has broken down every wall of partition and make it, made us both one, even when we're offended repeatedly. So we have to each take that to mind, study it, apply it, teach it, and train it. Because in Christ, many years ago, in Virginia, I started act, being active. I'd never grown up in a biased, racist household, so it was pretty easy. But I started thinking, why do we think color? And I saw Paul's writings. It helped me. And I, that's why I think about earth suits and why does my earth suit just showing up as a quiet James 317 human dressed in the earth suit of a Western European heritage female? Why does that trigger whelp? And then it doesn't trigger anything with black people, uncomfortable, or certain kinds of white people, which I now determined are we global and that we whelp, are we centric? We own the world. We used to be in charge. You know, all that stuff. I'm not that way. So it made me curious. My mama, let me say this. My mama grew up, grew me up as firstborn child at her knee, five years old, watching Perry Mason old black and white reruns. My mom loved Perry Mason. Even when I grew up and mom later I flicked them on YouTube and watched them just because they were so good. They're well well crafted. But I grew up down to earth and sort of quiet reserved. Really too quiet. But I was watching because that was how you did it. You observe, you discern and perceive because if you watch Perry Mason get out the old black and white ones. I never liked the ones in color. I didn't like Ironsides, but I would watch those and I noticed the subtleties that were needed to determine guilt or innocence or clues to solve the mystery that Perry Mason had that discerning perception. You know what I mean? And Paul and whoever the other, others were, Della Street. I haven't seen him for a few years, but I'm saying that God used that to make me an observer of everybody, of people, of life, of little clues, appreciating the value of small things, of the big personality, but the very small and tender, down-to-earth, obscure, unsung hero, male or female. That's why I'm careful to respect people, old and young, because I know the first line of Christ sharing the gospel is to show that you respect them, you do not fear them, that you do not look down on them, that you don't resent them, that you're not holier than thou. And I honor my good parents, but also that I did learn about clues. I don't know, I just, I never knew I was learning that, but I realized that it's so important you just watch details carefully. And Perry would win, you know, he'd, he'd notice this, that piece of paper or their look on their face. I don't know, it's just different. Another one I will say I laugh. One reason I have I have the joy of the Lord. I really do. I have the joy of the Lord, which is a gift from the Lord. Everybody can have it. But I had to, I had happy camper, smart, but smart, discerning and wise and mature, but happy, joyful parents. And we would laugh and grandmothers would laugh and sister and mom and I would laugh later and it was just like crack me up. I remember going to doctor's offices, dentist's offices, waiting for appointments back when I was little. And because you're in the doctor's office, they have magazines and they had all these Reader's Digest back then. And I would always get the Reader's Digest, flip to the back, flip through just for the jokes. And now I realize, I can realize that, you know, saying something on Twitter is like a Reader's Digest form. 
you say it in the minimum amount, getting tweaks and getting the point out and humor, whatever it is. So it made me laugh, but I think God was pre, you know, getting me ready for all this blogging, writing, and commenting, which I think is a riot. God is so good. His mercy endures. We just want more people to see the good side of God, the good God, the designer God, the creator God, the awesome, fearsome God, but not the mean God. He's not a bully. He won't kick you when you're down. That's only Pharisees or your old, you know, your, your worst nightmare and your dad on a bad day feeling grumpy. Let's go back and really read the Bible again in relationship form prior to the law no need for the law, no need for structure. Everything was relationship, Genesis 1 and 2. Sin came in the garden. People chose to not honor God, respect Him, to love Him first, but they chose themselves. And sin came in the carnal nature, and then mayhem followed eventually. And God had to set up a system of penalties, of checks and balances of the law. So all this happened, and then the law got morphed, if you read through the prophets in the later years, the well-intentioned law of the Jewish people, Levitical law, the, to the Torah, first five books of the Bible, are still good for them. But for the Christian, it is my comment that when I studied repeatedly that I noticed in Isaiah, a huge warning to God's priests, priests and kings and princes, the people of God leadership, that they were in danger of blocking God's spirit, that the fierce Assyrian nation had come and God was there with His Holy Spirit power to make their necks so fat with His anointing, Isaiah 10, 27, that no fierce Assyrian nation could wipe them out, God's whole people. However, He said, because of your little g-gods, your false religion, and your vanity, you're blocking my move. You are withstanding it. So their relationship had fallen off of God as the first relationship in the fear of the Lord, and had gotten down on stuff personal life, pride, and possessions, and power. Sounds similar, doesn't it? Following that, somewhere in Obadiah the prophet, he's talking about the warning of God's people to the priesthood again, that the Edomites, that means the descendants of Esau, not Jacob, were coming and causing all this trouble with idolatry again. When we look at the, the morphing, I call it, this is my term, morphing of the law, God's people falling and rising, repenting, and then committing idolatry with other nations, wanting to be like them, FOMO, fear of missing out. Oh Lord, for example, we want a king. The priests and the prophets aren't good enough. We need a king like our neighbors, the idolaters. And God gave it to them and they got Saul. So the fear of missing out, keeping up with the Joneses, the neighbors, the ministry Joneses is a key principle of life. And even now today, especially with Instagram days and Facebook and publicity and cameras and TV. Okay, and people feeling threatened creates bullying and insecurity just because of fear. Fear F-E-A-R is false evidence appearing real. You just don't know your Bible doctrine or the Lord. FOMO. Fear creates FOMO. Fear of missing out. Keeping up with the Joneses. Teenage on up. Little, well, eight or nine. However the young they are could have it. That's why the parent has to be mature and make their choices with them and be following up with them and mature also to be a good role model. What really values? I'm so grateful that I took the TV out years ago. It's bad enough seeing it online. I was getting addicted to the news. I was getting addicted to flicking by and then I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Often when the housewives came along, I went, I can't believe it. that they're. I'm going to watch and see what it is. And then you get drawn in. So I realized that. So I just took it out and online enough. If I need Netflix or something, I will do that. But YouTube has been a gift, a lifesaver right now. It's just enough. And then you get worship and preaching as your vitamin supplement. But it's within your conscience, your choices. It's within your desire to please God or not. And it's it's also just a desire. What What is helpful to you now? You might need more R&R mind candy than I do. And then how much time do I really give to media, to video games? That's you and God. And I, my tip is, the iceberg tip is, if it affects your relationship 
and it's more important to you being online and that comfy little sucked in hooked feeling of being online or be, playing video games is more of an uh, what do you call it what are those things endomorph high for you than being with your own child who's three years old or a teenager or your wife then something is out of something is really really relationship rotten in Denmark somewhere and you have to rise up it is an addiction you do get endorphins you do get sucked in because it's it's emotionally he uh, makes you feel safe and it's adventurous it's not you know you don't have to go clean diapers you don't have to do hard work because you're online so the idea is nothing is wrong just be balanced the cutting edge is balanced know when you're hitting the tipping point of being too strange not doing your part of the work and the family not bringing your children up I have a friend who teaches pre-k for 10 12 years and she says the last couple of years she said the worst cases of people that have raised their children on media and not done enough parenting and that it's grievous to her because the child will be like a veg sitting there with no vocabulary only getting up to get food going back and wanting to be hooked on media there and then not relating to people and it's so sad because they're three and four years old what are they going to do when they get grown and have a mate? That's what I always thought to my, um, I believe my children have, my daughter never had the addiction or the thing pulled toward video games. My son had a lot more, but I believe that because of good parenting, his choices, that I don't believe he is hooked on media. At least right now, God forbid. But he is, he's been a healthy example to me. But I know other people that they don't have that. And, and I think you just have to be careful what your little G God is in this day because it's so subtle and sneaky but life is good and you have to have something beyond the, the inner life that's why I always only do but so much online I try to be sociable and get around and all that is so the cutting edge is bound help and having relationships as your priority but your first relationship with is with God to please him but you're not going to be a people pleaser that's the other part of relationships not a mama pleaser not a mama basher not a you know because all these relationship facets that I've learned and try to practice myself and be wise about during the years so we're trying to model Christ following as a community as like a big family and of course some people in a family are more different styles than others some are more pronounced and outspoken and carry a lot of persona and some do not they're quieter shyer and we're and some are different colors and they have different preferences maybe they have a different style there's a solomon style and there's a mother Teresa style whatever you want to do just be like jesus in whatever style you have and be like jesus in acts 10 10 38 going about like jesus doing good and that's all we want to say this is Tavo Diarcy. you have a friend in the Lord but you have a friend over here if you want prayer if you want encouragement just let us know and we'll pray for you I can help you with high tech or music or whatever and then if you just need I'm, I'm taking on the ministry is a pastoring to pastors to people with a call and mentoring and those two things are different than the fact that you have to apply I don't want anyone to apply unless they feel it as God. I'll check you out and feel if I feel it. But we believe right now that everyone needs to be sent. This is apostolic ministry. That means it's commissioned by God, but it's also sent messenger. We're sent to the airwaves. We're sent to you if you feel it in your spirit. But I'm also sent to pastor. I've pioneered and pastored decades, come from pastors and leaders. And I've seen a lot in relationships and a lot has gone on in ministry with doctrine and character. And so we will be here as a pastor to those that God feels God sends. And I will pastor you, not like a controller, a queen, an authoritarian, one that has to be at my beck and call and wait on me. No, no, that's done, but I don't do that. I will be here and I'll speak to you if the Lord says to or just pray for you, really pray for you. If you have a question and the Lord works it out to, to speak together, we will. I can do Skype, FaceTime. So we're asking God to, as Jesus, I don't need, I could not find this, but I heard it. Sounds good. Jesus said, Father, the, Father, I've been faithful to those you've sent me. 
That's all I want. I'm not trying to get big numbers. Never have. I'm godly content, even if nobody ever applies. If people come and go, I'm happy. But the probably happier. But the other part is I am sent right now to mentor a couple of people, a handful. I'm sent to give a few music lessons, two or three to impart. I will do theory as my tent making job, which I enjoy theory. I'm a professional musician many years. But I really feel the most important thing is to be there for a person in ministry who needs to, someone like this that's real, but they say, once in a while, I want to bounce this stuff off. Will you watch my back in prayer and cover me with prayer? That is the only type of covering I don't offer. You're being under my ministry. I, you're, you're say you're under me. No, Paul is a great example, and I got to go. Galatians 1, 1 and 2 is my favorite method of spiritual authority communication. Paul, who writes about himself in servant leader letters, no capital A for apostle, says, I, Paul, sent out not by any one man, not by any one group, I and the brothers that are with me. And see, I'm not sent out, I'm sent out like Paul. I'm a part of the Christian community. I have speak, people speaking to my life. I need a couple few more in the Christian community, all colors, leaders, mature people, the right ones out here. And then I'm not sent out by anyone group. I might fellowship with their pastor's group, but I are given offering, but I'm not under them because I don't want to have anyone by me. I don't want them to get hurt. Two parts of Paul. If Paul said things outlandishly because he was pioneering a new work, he was the first one to think those thoughts and it really bothered the traditional ones, they wouldn't have to feel guilty because Paul wasn't technically under them. That way, if they got ashamed or people had hoopla, angry with Paul and his comments, then they didn't get blamed because they weren't technically related. They were in the community, fellowshipping, but not members. That's why I believe this. It's a safety for a lot of people. The other part is, Paul could say anything that God wanted to the audience of one, and nobody could chain him and say, don't say that. It's embarrassing to me because I own you. I'm over you. And see, that's another freedom about Paul. The third thing about Paul I like in this verse is that it says, I and the brothers, and surely there were sisters that were married to these brothers, and maybe some sisters in there. But I and the fellow brothers that are with me, I love it because it says, Paul said they are with me, alongside, co-laboring in the community, fellowshipping with me, doing things with me that are right, but they are not under me. He did not say, note this please, in governmental speaking, he did not say, I and the brothers that are under me. Paul doesn't use language like that. Jesus Christ doesn't use language like that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John or Pauline writings. We want to say when you look back at the history, because a lot of people derive their modern day teaching and whelp shepherding, comes from looking at what they saw in the church when it was filled with legalism. As soon as they got saved, they were still back under the law and had no prior TV shows or network models or past teaching to already have the people at least a book to read, how to get delivered from the law in five easy steps. They didn't have that. So they were starting with legalism, really legalists, and people had animosities and worries and doubts and racism and all sorts of stuff. They had the Gentiles who were probably out of control more than the Jews because they had no law. They come from the temple idolatry, the idol worship, the sacrificing of little kids, the Roman government, roving demoniacs, all these types of things you can imagine. Then you have the Pharisees that get saved. All right, so they have all this hodgepodge of community that needs deliverance and teaching and that need not be Levitical anymore. But how do you communicate it in such a short time? And how do you do it effectively with all the races and all the creeds that they already believe in? That's why I'm teaching this, because it's like that now. It's getting to be that like that now. They didn't get scared. I'm not scared. This is how you do it. You affirm and say, we know you're all different. And we like that. God made you because he wants to use you in that earth suit, in that Greek background, that Jewish background, that historical context. He wanted, we want to know what you come from so we can enjoy that, employ that, and use it for our future ministry. We respect you. we got to be on the same page doctrinally, so we'll go to Ephesians 4, we'll discuss legalism, we'll discuss important doctrines, 
but we're not going to put you down because you're a different color or gender or whatever. So there's a positivity there. But the idea is we have to teach it from a new framework of relationships, of real relationships in the fear of the Lord, real respect, mutual respect in the fear of the Lord, mantra, Ephesians 5.22, for ministry, lay, and marriage. My parents were married in Ephesians. Both of them were mutually submitted. And then my mom was submitted because to other Ephesians 5.22, a big deal. She knew she was loved and valued because he was mutually submissive and thoughtful in the fear of the Lord, humble, and she was too. And when there was a need for a tiebreaker, he was it. That's the head of the home. So we're trying to teach freedom, practicality, wisdom, not go too overboard, but also say we cannot teach. We have to teach culturally that that church was that way because they were that new and fresh that was that bad full of legalism and we can't stay that legalism because teaching and revelation from God and the Holy Spirit has set us free many books and many times in many decades and we have to take that and enjoy the good part pick out hay from stubble and I will well I'm submitting this all to you as a doctrinal sila not as dogma not as a hypocrite not as one who's not easily entreated one who is not abiding by James 3.17 fully at all times, and I always have 24-7 all my life. God bless you. He loves you. Let us look at Ephesians 3.21, or was it? It's either 3.21. It says, To God be glory in the church. That's all we want to do right now. That's why I'm teaching this. To God be glory in the church. Is it not about me? This is not about you. It's not about them. It's about who's going to get the glory so that more people will come to Jesus and get saved and know him before it's too late. I'm looking it up real fast and see if I can find it. Anyway, it says, To God be glory in the church, and that's all we want. That is all we've wanted. I haven't wanted anything else. Here it is, Ephesians 3.21. Unto him, that's Jesus, be glory in the church, the true church, by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So be it. Because when the Lord comes and the day of the Lord arises and it's the final day for everybody on this earth, black or white, it's too late. So let's give him glory now and honor and let's enjoy ourselves in ministry and have relationship friendly, accepting, not compromising, not PC, but all cultures together. Ephesians 4, but also Isaiah 56, true fellowships, and my time's running out, I see this. Isaiah 56, 7, for those who honor the Lord of all races, all people groups, it says, I will take them to my holy mountain. I will make them joyful in my heart house of prayer their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar and my house my house is shall be called a house of prayer humility and reverence and honor for all people groups all people i submit it to you i've got to go this is tavo drc signing off for now god bless you he loves you bye bye if you need to contact correspond or even send a secure PayPal offering. We need more supporters. The Lord told me to say it or I wouldn't. It's dfwleader at gmail.com. God bless you. Bye-bye.